This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening, San Diego. This is not Andrea K. This is your guest host tonight, Timothy Shea. And while I don't have one hundred and seven pounds of dynamite in a dress, I do offer two hundred and five pounds of Semtex and Seersucker. We're going to have a little fun tonight because it's Christmas, but we're going to cover some serious material, too. Very happy to have political polling gurus John Zogby with us to explain the mechanics of polling, how to read polls correctly, whether polls even matter anymore. We'll also hear from Leah Christie of Not On This Watch to learn how the Obama administration is trying to do an end around the Second Amendment. Finally, we're going to close by talking about what's really important this week, Christmas. Todd, it doesn't feel like Christmas, though, does it? What's the temperature out there? Well, actually, it is raining a little bit here in San Diego, but no, it's it's not too bad. We're in, like, the high 50s. Yeah, well, guess what? We're in the high 50s here, or high 40s in central New York, and it's raining, too. I guess we can blame it on El Nino. There you go. Is it El Nino this year or El Nino? I I forget. Well, I think this year's El Nino. Uh, Next year's going to be La Nina. Uh, but, you know, everybody blaming this weather on climate change. Climate change is the greatest hoax since Piltdown Man, and it's the greatest heist in history. That's what people don't understand. I was trained as a scientist. I've got a degree in biology. I'm a couple courses short of a double major in chemistry. I've studied population biology, wildlife biology. I've studied environmental biology. I've taken a lot of chemistry classes and geology classes. This is the greatest hoax since Piltdown Man. Human activity has minimal, if any, impact on weather, okay? First, they were calling it global cooling back in the 30s, and then in the 50s, it became, oh, we're worried about global warming. Then in the 70s, it was global cooling again, and Time Magazine put a cover of a, a picture of a penguin on the cover, and said that we were going to have massive famine because we couldn't grow wheat anymore. And now we're going to have massive famine because there's drought because of global warming. Well, guess what? There's been no warming in 18 years. Noah has lied, as I reported on Radio Red Nation Rising earlier this year. Noah has lied about the data. They've actually fudged the data from the temperature locations in Argentina and Africa and up in Canada. We have more ice on the polar caps, both north and south now, than we have since they started taking measurements. And here's how you know it's a lie. They don't want India and China, the world's two greatest polluters, to be part of the Paris Accord. Okay, this is nothing more than wealth transfer from the developed world to the third world with them and their buddies taking a massive cut as well. That's why I say it's the greatest heist in history. You know what else is being blamed on El Nino, Todd? What's that? Poisonous yellow-bellied sea snakes. You had the third poisonous yellow-bellied sea snake wash off in Huntington earlier this week. So now your ocean is cold. It's radioactive from Fukushima Daiichi, and you got poisonous serpents. I think you should leave San Diego. Your chargers are. Oh, no. 
I don't want to join that bandwagon. You know, I'm a Jensen Pats fan, and my Giants yesterday, they, they struggled back valiantly. It would have been the greatest comeback in uh, late regular season history, but they fell just short with a second to spare. They lost on a field goal. But your Chargers looked strong yesterday. They played a great game. You know, and it's it's kind of sad because we're, they've been doing terrible all year, and they're going to leave us. And then they finally play good on their last home game. It's kind of like, ugh, where, where was that when all year? It doesn't year? matter at all. Hey, at least they went out leaving a, a good taste in your mouth. Yes. Uh, in, in my path, I'm looking forward to a Patriots-Carolina Panthers Super Bowl. I think it'll be a lot of fun. The NFL checked the ball inflation yesterday at the Patriots game. I mean, seriously, Tom Brady could win with a Nerf, a wet Nerf football. Okay, they've got two losses this year. That's because Gronkowski was out and Amendola was out and Edelman was out and they had half a running back because they lost LaFell's halfway through the game. So it's it's going to be fun. But well, you never want it's funny someone one of the one of my friends is a Patriots fan is like he said it's a good thing if everybody else hates your team. If nobody hates your team, then that means your team's really not winning. So that's right. It, that's it, right. It, every you know, I I I dislike the Patriots, but that's just because they knocked my Chargers out of the playoffs like three times. So you, you just sometimes you have happens. to ignore the haters. Exactly. I do want to wish uh, Ted Cruz a happy 45th birthday today. And Washington Post, shame on you, shame on you for going after his beautiful little girls. Homie, don't play that. No, homie, don't play that. Everybody talks about mama bears protecting their cubs. Let me tell you something. You do not want to make Papa Bear's little girl cry. That's all I'm saying about that. Okay. We had a lot of other things going on. One of the most epic fails in history was Steve Harvey reading the wrong winner on this universe. And then to compound his error in his apology tweet, he misspelled both Philippines and Columbia. So poor Steve didn't have a good day. You know who else didn't have a good day? It's Hillary on Saturday. Hillary had to take a potty break in the middle of the debate. The best <laughs> picture. I love that tackle. The best picture I've seen of the campaign so far was Field of Burn on the left and Six Pack Attack O'Malley on the right with an empty podium in the middle. That was so emblematic. Who's going to answer the phone at 3 a.m.? Clearly not Hillary. She was in a potty break. She needs to get off the stage. She should be ineligible to be president. She's a felon. She lied before Congress on national TV and gets away with it because she's a Clinton. It makes my brain hurt. She needs to get off the stage. Lindsey Graham did. And Jeb picked up Lindsey's supporters today. Both of them. In the movement to primary, Ryan... Speaker Ryan is afoot. I have a very good friend on Facebook that I'm not going to embarrass because we agree on many things, but she has taken me to task this week for being four square behind the movement to primary out Paul Ryan. As I said on America Trends with Andrew Kay last Thursday night, he totally sandbagged me. When Mitt Romney picked him to be his running mate, I thought, great, we've got a good conservative on the ticket. Paul Ryan is not a conservative. I don't care what his rating is. I don't care if he's got a 94 rating for conservatives. I view people based on what they do. And that bill last week, that omnibus bill, was one of the biggest sellouts 
in history. Were there some good things in that for Republicans? Yes, of course. Nothing is all white or all black, but that was an absolute slap in the face of every Republican voter in the 2014 election. He's got to go just like Eric Cantor had to go. People say, well, you know, then Hillary's going to win. It has nothing to do with it. Those are two separate issues. We can keep the House and get a new speaker in. Ryan's got to go. Obama comes out accusing Trump of exploiting working class fears. As Sandra Stevens said on Facebook, the people who claim those who disagree with Obama because he's black are the same people who voted for him because he's black. Okay, enough of this issue. Whether you think that Trump is good or bad for America, whether he'd be a great president, has nothing to do with criticizing Barack Obama because he's black. Barack Obama is somebody else that needs to get off the stage, can't get off the stage fast enough. Watch 2016. We're going to see the biggest jailbreak in history when he pulls out his pardon pen. It's going to be a nightmare year. We've got to be locked and loaded and oppose his presidency as much as we can next year. I've been trying to keep this light, and I I'm just can't. I'm actually outraged tonight. We had another suicide bomber in Afghanistan that took out six U.S. servicemen. It was a bomb vest. Walks up to a checkpoint and boom, takes out six of our soldiers. That's six families that won't have a loved one at Christmas. That's six more families that won't be receiving a phone call from Barack Obama. Join the families of General Major General Harold Green, joining the family of Colleen Hufford in Oklahoma, joining the family of the four servicemen who died in Chattanooga, joining the families of those who died in Fort Hood, joining the families of those who died in San Bernardino, joining Kate Steinle's family. He can never seem to get around to calling the families that are victims of Islamic terror. Like Andrea Kay, I am not afraid to name the enemy Islam and its location right here in the United States. The AP poll came out and said ISIS is the biggest story of 2015. Thanks a lot, Captain Obvious, for that update. Scores are entering Germany with fake Syrian passports. That's not news. Three months ago, we knew that boxes of blank Syrian passports were found in Germany. They own a printing press. They're printing up fake Syrian passports. If you don't think that ISIS is sending in terrorists with these refugees, you've been living on another planet. Knowing four Arabic words, however, might save us from Islamic terror. We're out of time. I'm going to be posting this on Facebook and Twitter. The four words are Takia, Taria, Kitman, and Maruna. Please check my Facebook post and my Twitter account at TimboTim62 for that update. sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. 
proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. You may think being totally blind is the greatest challenge I face, but actually, it's the fact that I'm often wide awake at 3 a.m. and struggling to stay awake in the middle of the day. This is called Non-24, and it affects up to 70% of people who are totally blind like me. It makes just getting through the day a real struggle. Learn more about Non-24 by calling 855-856-2424 or visiting learnmorenon24.com. Sponsored by Vanda Pharmaceuticals. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. It's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. Mom's cooking chicken in collard greens. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show on KCBQ AM 1170. The answer. I am your guest host Timothy Shea, sitting in for Andrea while she's on her Christmas break. We've been talking a lot the last couple of weeks and the last few months, actually, about polls. A lot of different polls. Donald Trump has the largest lead ever, 33 points. Wait, no, Ted Cruz has a 31 point. Advantage 31% of the people in Iowa favor him as their first choice. Polls have been all over the lot. Well, I'm honored to have a man who's not all over the lot. John Zongby is the most accurate pollster in history. He called the 1996 presidential election within a tenth of a point. He's repeated that success time and time again, not just here, but internationally. He has a methodology that works, so I wanted to have him on today to explain polling methodologies, how they vary, how to read polls, what can we really trust is going on. John, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Thanks, Tim. It's nice to be here. Could you give us a quick primer on the different kinds of poll methodologies and why we're seeing all these radically different results based on the same elections? Uh, for starters, what, what your listeners need to understand is that ultimately we're talking about likely voters. And uh, so you'll see polls that are published that will say all adults, uh, registered voters, likely voters. Uh, when you're talking about elections, um, it's essential that you, you're talking about likely voters. And demographically, there could be significant differences among those three different groups. So what, what good pollsters try to do is screen out those who are not likely to vote 
And also listeners need to understand that today somebody might be a likely voter, uh, but if you reach um, a different group a month from now, you may get a different, slightly different profile of a likely voter because there's going to be some sort of volatility. So the sampling methodology is important. In addition to that, we've got to understand, I think, what people have already figured out for themselves, um, and, and that is that the, the telephone poll uh, is in trouble these days. Uh, I, I started in 1984, and I go back to the days when uh, every three people you reached on a landline at home, two would take the survey. And we would hear invariably people say, shh, I have a long-distance phone call. Somebody's calling me from New York. They're asking me important questions. Those days are gone. Um, calls are automatically screened out, automatically blocked. Um, about half of our sample on the telephone needs to be on a cell phone. And I don't know if a lot of people understand this, but a typical poll could be 40, 60, 80 questions. That rules out a lot of people um, who are just simply not going to take a poll on a cell phone. And so um, I think it's important that we, we realize that polls can still be accurate, but uh, accurate to a tenth of a percent or a, a three or four percent um, is, uh, you know, maybe a thing of the past, at least on a regular basis. Um, we do most of our election polling now online and actually get a better sample online than we do via phone. And the last thing that I would warn people about is, is that um, the, the, so many people – there were simpler days. There were Democrats and Republicans and a handful of independents. People's minds were made up going into an election. You were looking then at the, the last 5 or 6 percent. Uh, how were they sure. going to split? Um, these days, um, there's a lot of volatility a lot more people paying attention, less people pay, paying attention, a lot well, more. Well, most of the electorate now, yeah, most of the electorate identifies themselves as independent. That's right. And they genuinely are. Um, and they'll agree on certain things with some, with one candidate and other things on another candidate. And a lot of people are struggling, which is uh, uh, an important point, which means Totally understandably, they're not uh, they're not paying attention until they really feel they have to. You've had a lot of success, not only asking the political questions, what do you think about the candidates, but also trying to tease out some of this demographic information, don't you? Some of the lifestyle issues, yeah, different economic yeah. issues, political issues, et cetera, to kind of draw a more uh, comprehensive profile of your uh, poll uh, candidate. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that people need to understand is that we're at a point where over one in three likely voters in this country works at a job that pays less than a previous job that they had. Now, what's that mean? Well, costs certainly haven't stayed static over the years. You have a lot of people who are struggling. Now, uh, you also have a lot of people who are looking for solutions. Notably, I, I would say, are millennials, those who are about 18 to 
35, 36 years of age who are totally impatient with the slowness of government and politics, frankly, with a lot of institutions in our lives. And our, these are young people that have been trained to be uh, problem solvers, to cut to the chase. The shortest line between A and C is to go right through B. Um, and whether they're liberal or conservative or, frankly, for the most part, I think neither, um, what they are looking for are, hey, if there's a problem, solve the problem, please. Um, and, and they're totally, uh, you know, not in sync with, uh, you know, with the, the hyperbole and the hyperpartisanship that we have. And that's understandable. There's an additional element in this poll volatility, though, isn't there? There are polls and there are polls. We have organizations that are commissioning polls that really have an agenda. They're looking. The polls really aren't a priori. They're a posteriori. They're a priori. They're, they're trying to find a result. They're trying to influence the horse race by using poll results. Well, I'm not going to explain some of the colleagues, but yeah, there, there there is something out there. I think people need to be wary when they see a public poll published and it has a D or an R after the name, meaning that it's a Republican polling firm or a Democratic polling firm. I think folks really need to be wary. Professional polls, but look, you know, we don't necessarily manipulate voters, but oftentimes we ask questions about policies and candidates and attach values to uh, to the question. You know, I can ask in the same poll, do you agree or disagree that destroying a fetus is manslaughter? And I can get a majority every single time that say it uh, it is manslaughter. In the same poll, four or five questions later, I can say, do you believe, agree or disagree that in the case of abortion, a woman has a right to choose? I can get the same majority that say a woman has a right to choose. Now, that's the same poll, but I've attached two separate values to the question. That's fascinating. That's great inside baseball. I know having been participating in politics the majority of my life and been with several campaigns that the internal polling is really the most accurate and that's what we always went by we knew how the election was going to turn out well before the electorate really just because of the accuracy of those internal polls how do campaign internal polls differ from the public polls that are published in the newspapers um i try to do my public polls and, you know, I've polled for Reuters and NBC and the New York Post and Fox and C-SPAN and so on. Um, but I've tried to do my public polls the way private polls are taken, which is to dig down deep and be granular and not be afraid to ask values-based questions. Uh, sometimes I think some of the other public polls um, – those affiliated, say, with the networks, have tried to be so neutral in the questions that they've asked that they've neutered the questions so that you're asking people questions about things that they don't understand 
um, and don't have any reason to understand, and therefore you're getting an artificial answer. That's fantastic. Again, some great insight into what the mechanics of polling and why we are seeing such volatility among these published polls. My guest is John Zogby. He is the poll consultant with Zogby International based in Utica, New York. John, how can people get in touch with you if they need to? Uh, they can uh, directly to me, John, at ZogbyAnalytics.com. And then visit the website, ZogbyAnalytics.com, which I'm proud to say is owned and run by my son, Jonathan. I'm the senior guy now. Fantastic. Keeping it all in the family, we look for another generation of extremely accurate and informative polls. John Zogby, thank you very much for coming on the Andrea K Show. Hey, good to talk to you. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. This Saturday is Super Saturday at Kohl's. Shop over 100 early bird specials till 1 p.m. And take an extra 15% off all toys, already 10 to 40% off. Save 45 to 55% on sleepwear for the family, 50 to 60% on outerwear for the family, and 55% off trim a tree. Plus, only once a year, get $15 Kohl's cash for every 50 spent. This Saturday at Kohl's Super Saturday. Find your yes. Kohl's. Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation, a fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Boom, 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 boom. Sam. 
Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. I'm your guest host, Timothy Shea, filling in for Andrea while she's away for Christmas. With me today is an old friend, both of myself and the Andrea K Show, Leah Christie of Not On This Watch. Leah describes herself as a typical housewife who became a policy wonk yet. What interested her initially was public education, common core, how illegal immigration was impacting the quality of public education. She was on Andrea's show earlier this year discussing those topics as well as on Radio Red Nation Rising with me. Leah, your focus has shifted a little bit, though, hasn't it? Why don't you tell us about Restless Patriot? Well, Restless Patriot is a a fellow um, collaborative uh, page on Facebook that we work with, and her audience is a bit bigger than mine. And so we just started to leverage off of one another, using each other's strengths to uh, achieve a common goal, and that is to help save our republic. So she has given me uh, generously her mic, and I give her my walk, if you will, and willingness to go in and dig into issues that we both find are very important. And it's been great. We've been able to launch some take action campaigns. We were very successful at the beginning of the year, ensuring with Andrea that uh, when the House gaveled back in and went to reelect their um, their pre-picked Speaker of the House, we helped put a cog in the wheel. And even though we lost, uh, Boehner was still reelected. We brought 25 names to the table uh, for those representatives who actually voted against him. And that was an incredible uh, an experience to be a part of that movement across the country. Uh, throughout the year, we've found various projects that we could work on together, and right now we're working on a couple of things. One of them is um, called the, the No Project, and what we've started with is the no-fly list that has Why been... Why don't you tell us about the no-fly list? What are they doing with that, and how are they really using it as a backdoor to something that no American that loves America would be in favor of? Well, just a little bit of background. If you look back to right before Thanksgiving, right after Ryan was voted in as the new speaker, they wanted to pass a bill that sounded all good. It was about uh, the nation's security. It had to do with um, more extensive uh, vetting of those who are coming into the country. And as I tuned in and paid close attention to the debates on the floor in the House, I noticed the left all they wanted to talk about was if what would happen if a terrorist, a suspect or no terrorist, was able to get their hands on firearms. And they began to speak as if this were going on daily. That got my attention. The bill passed, and everybody went home and ate turkey, came back, and lo and behold, the no-fly list was front and center, especially in light of what happened in San Bernardino on, on November, uh, I'm sorry, December 2nd. We find ourselves asking, how is this happening? How, how is it that people are coming in? We don't know all the particulars. It's a very convoluted system, whether it's any point of entry coming into the country. It's a very convoluted system. So what they've done is they've taken the no-fly list, and they've twisted up the language on us. And in typical mental hopscotch, they're saying to America, hey, if you want to keep yourself safe, you're going to need to help us by stopping um, the ability of terrorists 
to get their hands on gun, on guns here in America. And it's a little bit ridiculous to even consider that they may know that we have terrorists roaming the countrysides. So I started making phone calls and uh, took it up with Pete King, Peter King in the House. He's got a bill out there, as does Diane Feinstein in the Senate. And these are not new bills. These are old bills. But this, this is the camel in the tent. I mean, it's so obvious. This is the whole goal. Because if they can say that someone is a known terrorist or suspected terrorist, then that doesn't prevent, prevent them from turning around and putting other people on the no-fly list to get to their firearms. And what we found out is the no-fly list has already shown to have lots of flaws to it. There have been many. Teddy Kennedy uh, was on the, low fly, the no-fly list. Yes. Yes, and that was in the Bush years. Um, and there that's, have been a real, that's a three, real problem with it. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, there, just recently, there have been three, at least three, um, House Republicans that have found themselves in a serious situation. One being Louis Gohmert when he was in Heathrow. One being Tom McClintock from uh, California when he was in the state legislature. And another one, I believe, uh, a representative from Alaska. I don't recall his name. But these are people who took to the floor and disclosed that they have themselves found uh, out that they are being held back by the Department Department of Homeland Security or on the no-fly list. Well, and that's the real problem with the no-fly list is that, A, it's secret. You don't know if you're on it. B, you don't know how to get on it. The criteria for making the no-fly list is not published. C, there's no due process. There's no appellate procedure to get yourself off the no-fly list other than a request to the government. So basically what the government is saying is that we are going to create a list of people that we think are suspect and we're going to take their guns away from them, and there's nothing you can do about it. Isn't that really what's going on? And you're right that these are old bills, because that's what they do. They keep these tools in the shed until they find an opportunity with which they can use them. And then they trot them right out, all in the name of trading of just a little bit of liberty for some security. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, the no-fly list was created right after 9-11, of course. And even the language of this list, it speaks an urgency to us as America. It says that they're doing something about what happened in 9-11. The reality is that terrorists are not just using airplanes, and they didn't use guns on airplanes. They used box cutters, and then they turned our jets into the weapon of mass destruction. But the, there are more ways of getting into America besides an airplane. And so it's a little bit preposterous to assume that that's the only place that, that they're going to have issues with terrorists. But the point here is that if they know of a terrorist that's in America and they're not doing anything about it, there's a problem. So just the bill title itself is is one that we should be up in arms about because they're saying they know that terrorists are here in America. They're, that's what they're calling the bill title. If we look deeper into it, though, um, and the language that's being used, there are several shifts that are happening. They're very uncomfortable. Um, The word extremist is tied to a term extreme crime. And when we hear this rhetoric, it should get our attention because they're not just using this adjective because they don't have a better adjective to use. It's there for a purpose. Oh, no, they're very precise with their words. Yes, they are. But they, but we don't really get that. We just think it's the word that they've used because, it, of course, it is extreme for someone to no, kill someone. No, in high school, I read, I read Orwell's 
essay on the political use of the English language when I was in high school. And if people have not read that, they need to go back and read what George Orwell wrote, because when he talked about Newspeak in his novel 1984, he was talking about exactly what we're seeing today, the manipulative use of language to achieve political ends by concealing true objectives and by shaping public opinion and by using words as weapons. Today, exactly. we, today though, what they, what they refuse to do is what Nani Darwish says we have to have the courage to do, which is to call our enemy by name and identify his location, and neither Andrea nor you nor myself have been shy about saying that the problem in the world today is radical Islam and its location is everywhere, particularly here in the United States. The FBI director, as I mentioned on America Trends with Dr. Gina last Thursday night, the FBI director came out and finally said that Chattanooga was a terror attack, but he blamed a foreign terror organization. Emphasis on foreign and organization. He wouldn't say that it was Islamic terrorists operating here in the United States, and we need to have that courage. Last Friday was a, an anniversary. December 17th? It absolutely was an anniversary that 11 years ago, the State Department put on the foreign terrorist organization list, found on state.gov, um, ISIL. So ISIL didn't just show up recently. And there's a lot of, a lot of rhetoric that's used that says it just developed. It did not. It has been around for 11 years. And it wasn't just ISIL put up there. It was the entire name of the organization was listed there on December 17, 2004. So we have known about this and then blame for what's going on now really falls on both the Bush and the Obama administrations. Absolutely. It absolutely does. And we are caught in the middle of this. None of us wants to be hit again like we were on 9-11. We don't really hit, period. But we're in a position where our the ones that we've elected to carry out our government, part of the Constitution, they're not keeping the Constitution. And every time we turn around, there is one agenda after another to disarm us and to also allow people to come in that they have not vetted properly, and they will not disclose to us what they're doing, and they're lying on every turn, and we're catching them. And they've realized that we're catching them, but they assume that there's nothing we can do about it. And it's very uncomfortable, and, and that's one of the things that I do find relieving in using um, the voice that I have is that at least I can go in and do research and offer it out. The more that we each know, the better off we're going to be. And that's one of the reasons that we published this article um, on, on RestlessPatriots.com is that if we can get this information to people, people can got, become more informed and use their voice to rattle the cage of Congress. Congress has, has the ability to hold the president accountable. And if the leaders of the Congress will not do it, then the rank and file have to hold the leaders of the Congress accountable as well. Absolutely. And Leah, Christy, this is why we love your stuff. You're not only a great voice, but you really do the nuts and bolts work, the hard labor of drilling down into the issues, finding out what's really going on behind the scenes, what's being kept from us, 
and bringing it to light. We appreciate all your great efforts. You're a great patriot, a great American, and happy Christmas to you. You too, Tim. Happy, happy Christmas to you. Take care. Now, how can people find you? Uh, they can follow your page, Not On This Watch, and follow also Restless Patriot on Facebook. Are there other ways to find your information? Oh, I, yes, absolutely. They can go to Twitter. They can find us both on Twitter. And um, we're going to be producing another article for this series coming up that discloses an interview, um, not an interview, a, a a speech that was given by the Assistant Attorney General back on October 17th, um, and it gives it gives a glimpse of what's to come in terms of the First Amendment and where they're going to catch us again with not having a means to protect our own free speech. So I would hope that people would be interested in that. And uh, yes, please check in with us either of our pages on Facebook. Fantastic. So we will follow you on at Breathless Patriot and at Not On This Watch on Twitter as well. Perfect. Great. Thanks again. Please stay with us through the break as we finish with some Christmas themed. sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer welcome back to the Andrea K show on KCBQ AM 1170 the answer the song into the break was especially for Andrea who cracked wise last week that she loved her some chip up yes Lulu we listen to you what we hear at KCBQ and the Andrea K Show, as well as at Red Nation Rising, say Merry Christmas. Just as we said Happy Hanukkah to our elder brothers and sisters in faith earlier this month. What we don't say is Happy Kwanzaa. Okay, I'm going to post on Facebook a great blog by Vanessa Anderson that has been shared by my good friend Babette Holder. Not only is Kwanzaa anti-Christian, it's far worse than that. It is Marxist. Okay, Ron Everett, little Ron Ron from the hood, changed his name to Malanga Karenga, and in 1966 made up out of whole cloth this celebration called Kwanzaa. Well, the tenets are all Marxist, okay? This is just another attempt to institute cultural Marxism, so we don't do the Kwanzaa. And I think Happy Holidays is pablum. 
you know, we don't let's start wishing people happy holidays on Martin Luther King Day or Washington's birthday or Mother's Day. That's happy holidays. Right now, we say happy Christmas. I also want to have everybody take a moment this week to remember that this can be a very difficult time of year for many people. There are a lot of walking wounded out there who plaster on a grin and act like everything's fine, but they're hurting. So as Andrea said last Friday, if you know somebody that's alone, go knock on the door and invite them over. If you find that there's somebody that doesn't have a gift, please consider sharing of your bounty. Let's remember also all our servicemen and women downrange and their families at home that are missing them. They sacrifice their Christmases so that we can have ours. But Christmas time is all about family tradition, so let me leave you tonight by sharing one of mine with you. It is something that I read to my children every Christmas Eve, A Visit from St. Nicholas by Clement Clark Moore. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled her brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and a tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. His dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys in St. Nicholas, too. Then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys was flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprung to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. 
but I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. That's our show. I want to thank Andrea once again for asking me to fill in for her tonight. I can't fill her stilettos, but we have an awful lot of fun while I'm here. I post a meme each New Year's Eve that reads, This year is almost gone. Not all our friends and family made it. Never take for granted the people you love. I can honestly say I have lived by that. I never left the house or hung up the phone. I still don't hang up the phone with my children without saying I love you. It costs nothing, and it means so very much. We never know how much sand is left in the top of the hourglass. We only see the sand in the bottom of the hourglass. And you always want those you love to know how you feel about them. I lost three very good friends this year. First, Michael Stewart succumbed to his battle with cancer. I'll never see an Oakland Raiders game again without thinking of Michael and what a valiant struggle he put up. Monica Walsh McGregor, also known as La Marcon, and you probably know her as Bossy Monica. She was the first Twitter big name that followed me, and we became good friends. I was teasing her about losing her balance and falling, and I found out just five minutes before going on air last February that she had passed away. And finally, my very dear friend, Marie Evers. I actually met Andrea through Marie. When I first met Andrea, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know she had this radio show. Marie said, you've got to meet my friend Andrea Kay. You're two peas in a pod. And boy, was Marie ever right. Tonight is actually the one-year anniversary of my very first show for Radio Red Nationwide, and it was December 22nd, 2014. And Andrea, when I first PM'd her and apologized for not knowing who she was and told her that having a show was my lifelong dream, her very first words were, you've got to get your own show. And she has been a constant supporter, mentor, and very dear friend in the intervening year. I cannot thank her enough. I also want to thank all of you. I want to thank my guests, John Zogby and Leah Christie. Everyone following on Twitter and Facebook, thanks to everyone who's pushing Red Nation Rising. Over half a billion impressions in the first 15 days of December alone. Huge and just getting huger. I hope that you all enjoy your Christmas. I wish every member of my tribe, regardless of faith, the peace and joy of Christmas, not just on Friday, but every day. Please travel safely to and from your destination. Savor the moments in between because they are what matter. Andrew will be back next Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific time to bring us into the new year. And until we meet again, keep fighting the good fight. Keep rising. I leave you tonight with the immortal words of Tiny Tim Cratchit. God bless us, everyone.
This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group.